Welcome to the Tim and James universe. History of sound. Hey, what's up, everybody? One half of the TGE here, coming in with a brand spanking new episode of History of Sound. That's right, a new show just yesterday from the other buddy, which was a shock to me, um, just like I shocked him with sound bites. So uh, this is the new trend. We're going to just randomly be doing things that shock each other. Uh, and really, it, it's all spoils for you guys. It's it's only going to benefit you because it's more fucking content. So uh, on this episode of History of Sound, uh, I'm not exactly sure how the buddy did it. I heard a little bit of his thing. I know it went 18 minutes. I don't think this is going to go quite that long. But uh, I assume he just gives a brief history of his of the band, some stuff they did, and maybe some memories of his. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and assume that was the format and do that myself. Um, and I will be playing a few clips for you. Um, we'll see how many. Uh, my setup here is a bit unique. Um, I have a lot of different things going on over here. Um, so yeah, so yeah, today's episode is going to be on my favorite band, Fear Factory. Again, I don't know why my speaker made that noise. It is still connected. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, Fear Factory is the band. They were formed in 1989. Um, they, I, they had some demos. They had one called Concrete, um, which had a few songs on Let's go ahead and click over there and see just what was on here. Let's go over, because uh, even these, some of this early stuff I have not listened to in quite a while. Um, yeah, some stuff that would appear on, on later albums, so like kind of demos and stuff like that. Um, the forming members, let's go ahead and check this out. Obviously, uh, Burton C. Bell, uh, Dino Cazares, I believe it's pronounced, uh, Raymond Herrera, and the earliest bass player that I can see. We didn't have one till. Uh, David Gibney was a bass player for a couple years, but it looks like he didn't do any albums. But after their most well-known, I think, bassist, um, there's probably two of them, Byron Stroud and Christian Old Wolbers, who eventually would be part of that lawsuit, which we'll touch on uh, a little briefly. Um, but their first uh, real big kind of splash in the music world took place in 1992 when they released Soul of a New Machine. Um, it was a, like a mix of death metal and industrial. Um, this is a lot of people's kind of favorite because it, it does have a little bit of a dirtier kind of, I don't want to say heavier exactly, but more of a death metal kind of style vocal bit. So I want to take a little glimpse here at a clip uh, of the song Scapegoat. We're going to be starting it somewhere into the song already. So uh, let's give a listen, shall we? Thank you. 
So there you go, just a little bit of a sample of uh, the song Scapegoat. Again, fantastic album. Um, obviously, there are some clean vocals in there. I believe Fear, Fear Factory is maybe, if not the originator, definitely one of the originators of doing the harsh vocal and then the clean vocal style within the same kind of stuff. Um, that industrial aspect coming in there. Uh, so after that, in 1995, um, came probably the most famous album still to this day. They're most widely uh, loved, definitely. Uh, Demanufacture. This one, yeah, this is when I first heard of them. Um, I think I've said before numerous times that the song Zero Signal, which obviously is my namesake, um, I first heard in the Mortal Kombat movie. Um, I'm not even sure if I if I recognize exactly who it was. I know I had the, the soundtrack of the movie, so I, I listened to it a lot. Uh, but again, the year was 1995, so I was um, I would have been eight. So I, I and there wasn't a lot of access to to music. Unless you you were old enough to take your own self to like a, a a Tower Records or whatever local record store may have may have existed at the time, um, so I didn't really get to dig into uh, the band until probably my I guess high school days is when I actually got a computer that semi worked and they came out with all of the you know the kazaws and the lime wires and that's when the out you know, the branching of the music really started for me. Cause before that I just had, I just, I had knew the albums that my brothers had. Um, and so, and, that, and a lot of that was dream theater and a lot of Molly crew and that kind of stuff. Pantera, they didn't really get so that much heavier than that for them. So when I eventually got into heavy music was when obviously the internet, because it became incredibly, incredibly easy. So, uh, since we're on D manufacturer, why don't we just go ahead and play a little bit of something? Um, I guess we could just go right into Zero Signal. Uh, let's go ahead and I'm just going to skip like two minutes into the song and uh, let's see what we got. That fucking song never gets old, let me tell you. Um, so obviously that album was a huge success. They got a lot of notoriety in the scene. And they came back with, uh, it took them a little bit of time because their next album came out in July of 1998. Uh, this with with Obsolete, which is another one that probably outside of uh, Demanufacture is probably the most loved. Uh, this one... I don't see if it gets heavier, but they one thing about Fear Factory is the lineup does change over the course of of the timeline. There's always Burton C. Bell, the singer, is always like a constant. For a long time, Raymond Herrera, the drummer, is a constant. After Digi Mortal, which we'll get to in a second, Dino is gone. And that's when you notice kind of a shift once Dino is out. The, there's two albums that come out that are 
definitely conceptually different and the sound is a little different, which they eventually kind of change. But at least for Obsolete, this is also an amazing album. Let's just go right into a clip. Let's go ahead and play the first track called Shock. That's a nice little intro here. When I saw them in 2004, this is the opening song. Yeah, not bad. Uh, I actually forgot. I'm going to kind of go back and highlight this. They did actually put out um, a remix album, which typically is not done a whole lot in like the metal scene. But they they took a lot of their songs. And like, so we heard Zero Signal a second ago. This is the remix version called Faithless. Let's skip ahead. Definitely a very, very different sound for that one. I think they came out with a couple different, like, remix albums. I think they had one called Resurrection after Obsolete. Um, I'm not super into those as much. That's, I feel like they probably did that just because they knew the album was taking a while. The next album was taking a while to come out so they could do something while other people were recording or whatever, maybe hire some other kind of producer to remix their song and put something out to keep interest going. Uh, maybe, again, just throwing an idea out there. Uh, next up, we have uh, another uh, really big album for them. This came out in April of 2001. This album is called Digimortal. This was the last one that had Dino uh, in there on guitar for a little bit, for a couple albums. Um, so let's see here. Uh, this is a concept album and part of a trilogy. Started with Demanufacture, continue with Obsolete. So yeah, so the three of them kind of played off of each other with each kind of having a little bit of a different sound. Like this, th again, this album, they take the sound and tweak it a little bit. It gets a little bit more, I guess some of the songs you could say a little bit more commercial, which not necessarily is a bad thing. They're still heavy songs and they still obviously never played any of this shit on the radio. So let's go ahead and let's find something. Let's just let's try Invisible Wounds, Dark Bodies. Let's see how this sounds. Let's skip ahead a little bit. So you can see a little bit more kind of mellowed out 
there is definitely some heavier stuff. Like, I think what will become is a little bit heavier. Skip ahead a little bit just to get into it. Okay, my, I'm on a crappy phone that's controlling the speaker, so it it's buffering a lot. But uh, that should kick in a second. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, a little bit heavier on that one. And so with the next album, uh, Archetype came out. This was when uh, Dino... Yeah, I'm looking here. There's a couple albums that are there uh, in between. It looks like this... Oh, wow. Uh, this album actually isn't here on Spotify. I knew that there was a couple albums that, for whatever reason, they just didn't have the rights to. So I, I can't really play anything off off of that right now. But archetype, I think, if if you're into like rock to like rock music, but not maybe not super super heavy, I think Digimortal and Archetype are good places to kind of start. The there is really really good drumming on Archetype, and so, some of the songs are pretty good. Uh, but that is definitely it is where you kind of see a little bit of a decline. That was I think when they were touring with that album. Because uh, it came out in about 2004 or so. That was the album they were touring for. So they played Shock. And then the second song they played was one of the new songs. Uh, thankfully, they played the best songs on the album. They played, I think they played three or so of, off the new one. And then a lot of the classic stuff. And I got to say, when they started playing Zero Signal, my ass jumped in the pit so fast. But this is yeah, that concert was the only time I was ever actually right up against the stage literally my hands were on the end of the stage watching fear factory uh and i'll never have a, a greater concert moment than that uh I, I topped early on my second concert uh so uh never and they never came back around uh to, to my area as far as i know um but the next album i actually had they came out with another one let's see uh called transgression which is also not on spotify it might be because Dino has all of the rights now, I think, um, but he wasn't on these two albums, so maybe that's maybe that's why they're not on Spotify. Uh, so Transgression came out two thousand five, shortly after Archetype. Th- this one, this one is definitely, I think, widely considered to be their worst record. They would take a, hi- a hiatus after this one, and I think wouldn't come back until twenty twenty ten or two thousand nine when Mechanize would come out, when Dino would rejoin the band. And they would replace Raymond Herrera and, and Christian on bass with uh, two guys from Strapping Young Lad, Gene Hoagland, and uh, uh, Byron Byron Stroud would come back and play with them. And they were, like I said previously, in Strapping Young Lad with Devin Townsend. So when Mechanize came out, it was like a it was a, it was like a super band because it was half Fear Factory, half Strapping Young Lad. Two of my absolute favorite bands joined forces and came out with an amazing album in Mechanize. But yeah, Transgression, I don't really have a lot to say about it because I listened to it a few times and just didn't like it. So obviously, you know, I just don't have a lot to say. So let's just jump right into Mechanize with the returning uh, Dino Savaris. And let's go ahead and try, uh, let's try Oxidizer. Here we go. Here's a little clip. (laughs) 
Let's see if I can jump into a chorus because I know the buddy likes choruses. So there you go. There is a little bit of oxidizer, and I'm noticing now that this episode is getting uh, – it is ending up being just as long as the buddies, so I'm going to kind of wrap it up real fast. Uh, but basically, yeah, when Mechanize would come out, uh, it would – everyone was overjoyed. The sound was back to exactly how Fear Factory should sound. They came out with uh, another album called The Industrialist two years later in 2011, followed by Genexus in 2013, another two years later. And those three albums are – that is like the greatest return to music I've ever heard because not only did a returning – a band member like return, but the sound came back and it was consistently good. And eventually – the, the legal troubles that I've talked about in previous episodes with two of the other members filing for the rights of the name and the content would drive Burton Seabell out of the band. But they had already recorded an album uh, that came out this year with Aggression Continuum, which I did a full review of on this on this podcast before. It's really, really fantastic, actually. So at least uh, Fear Factory as we know it has now come to an end. But they went out uh, on a very, very high note so at least we have that and now we just have to see you know what the future holds for this band uh maybe maybe we'll come back and do a new show called the future of sound with the the buddy and we'll talk about the future of no we're not really gonna do that don't worry uh but yeah uh, this has been history of sound fear factory edition obviously there's lots in there i didn't talk about i didn't cover but i went through the timeline of albums and kind of give a brief little overview of how the lineup looked and things like that and obviously there was a couple different changes here or there, but the big story is really Dino and and the the, the lawsuit, which again I already covered. Uh, but yeah, I'll come back here at some other point with uh, another band, probably one I haven't talked about as much, just because I think that'll be a little bit more interesting. I just kind of wanted to get Fear Factory out of the way because I know the buddy did his favorite band. I, I think I think they think Linkin Park is his favorite band, uh, and my favorite band, Fear Factory. Get those out of the way for the uh, trial episodes. But yeah, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Wow, that sure was a great episode, huh, gang? If you liked what you heard, and why wouldn't you, interact with us on social media. Follow us at TNJUniverse on Instagram. That's TNJUniverse. Or find us individually at SandmanRios on Instagram and ZeroSignal316 on Instagram and Twitter. And we'll see you next time. Fuck yeah!